Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. It's Central Bank Week, with market participants all over the world seemingly reading too much into official statements and press conference nuances from the Fed, the ECB, and the Bank of England. My favorite headline around all of the commotion, this from the Wall Street Journal, The Fed Fights the Fed. So it's not you, it's them. All right, this week our three things are, one, the Fed, something for everyone. Two, China, more thoughts on its impact on credit. And three, market tone, it's better for now. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. So what have we learned from the Fed's long-awaited February meeting? Well, on one hand, it was a dovish outcome. Lost in the great search for policy clues hidden in the central bank statement and presser is the fact that it is dialing back its most aggressive hiking program since the 1980s. Let's not lose sight of that. On the other hand, a more hawkish tone was reiterated, as you would rightly expect, as Jay Powell said additional hikes, as in plural, would be needed to complete the job. To us, that is in no way ambiguous about what the objective remains not just bringing inflation down toward its 2% target, but getting there and holding there decisively. Still, markets seem to struggle with what the Fed is and what it is not. The FOMC's dual mandate is to promote price stability and maximize employment. It is not the White House's economic czar or the chief strategist at XYZ Bank. Its job is clearly laid out, even if there is great debate about how it balances its two mandates. In any event, Given the sense of urgency around taming 40-year inflation, that mandate starting in 2022 has become lopsided in favor of restoring price stability. Markets, however, believe the Fed's obligation to the labor market implies that, with inflation clearly coming down, it should ease up on tightening, lest we fall into recession, which would, of course, drive unemployment higher. Accordingly, markets are pricing in a Fed pivot in 2023 where it will cut rates by 50 basis points. We continue to believe that expectation is misplaced. We believe Chair Powell and his communications has made it clear that maximizing employment over the long term will only happen if inflation, to borrow a 1970s tagline, is whipped now. But what about financial conditions, you ask? They've eased for sure and were looser today than a year ago. One market strategist we saw this week commented that Powell has to manage financial conditions. No, he doesn't. That's not his job. His job is to promote price stability, which means getting at the part of the inflation equation he can influence directly, namely demand. That can be achieved by, yes, tightening financial conditions tangibly by raising rates and running off the Fed's balance sheet. This scorecard is economic, not market. From a credit perspective, dialing back tightening, of course, is a plus. We don't get too hung up on where the terminal rate will end up. The difference between five and five and a quarter percent is not all that meaningful. It's more the shock of a rate rise of five percent in a year that will matter, and much of that impact across most sectors has yet to surface. Remember, the effects of Fed tightening takes up to 18 months from the first rate hike, and that was back in March of 2022, to be felt through the economy. As we talked last week, judging by both the soft and hard economic data, he is succeeding. But the job is not done. 
we would not expect a pivot this year, regardless of what the markets say. All right, on to our second thing, the effects of China's reopening on credit. As we've talked recently, China's reopening is sure to spur global economic growth. Back in December, that was an upside catalyst to markets, but the timing was uncertainty. Let all change in relatively short order. All of a sudden, investors had to balance a spark to global growth against inflationary pressure put on the commodities complex as one of the world's principal growth engines was coming back online. Net-net, we viewed China as a positive to credit, even though we admittedly are concerned about the possibility that China's reopening will throw a wrench into the disinflation momentum story, especially with regard to energy. Settling down of that market, of course, has been instrumental in the stabilizing of Europe. But we came across a couple of other points in this story that are worth considering. One bit comes from Alan Blinder, former Fed vice chair and current professor at Princeton, thought China's reopening would be deflationary as it brings more goods back to the world. There is also the newly updated outlook from the IMF, where its 2023 global growth forecast was increased, yes, increased, to 2.9% from 2.7% forecast last October. China emerging from its zero-COVID policy was cited as a key reason for the upgrade. The fund commented, We are seeing a much lower risk of recession, either globally or even if we think about the number of countries that might be in recession. And finally, we saw a survey of investors conducted by our friends over at Deutsche Bank, which asked if China's reopening would be inflationary or deflationary to the world economy. Only 4% of investors thought very inflationary, although 62% did think that China's reopening would be mildly inflationary. We fall into the mildly inflationary camp. We do worry about the impact on energy markets, but believe disinflationary pressures more broadly will absorb much of that. Our net-net view of China's reopening as a positive for credit stands. All right, on to our third thing, market tone. Yes, I know, a blinding flash of the obvious to say that market tone is better after the worst bond market in history in 2022. For what it's worth, January was the best January in bond market history. So there you have it. What's behind the bounce is both fundamental and technical. Fundamentally, inflation is coming down nicely and the jobs market is holding in. China and Europe are better than expected. And even housing is showing signs of coming back. And let's not lose sight of excess savings, the extraordinary accumulation of savings left over from pandemic-era stimulus. We estimate that number to be less than half of what it was, but that's still roughly $1 trillion at year-end, or about 5% of nominal GDP in the U.S. And that is softening for sure the economic landing. Technically, investors have money to put to work in the new year where everything is on special and where the fourth quarter unloading of risk into a market that didn't want it is over. It's all good, or at least much of it is. And even excess savings is at work here as retail investors remained more enthusiastically involved in stocks over the back half of 2022 compared to institutional interest, according to Jeremy Grantham at GMO. And that retail support of equity risk clearly helped hold credit spreads in at a time when liquidity was being pulled out of the market. And speaking of Mr. Grantham, he is out this past week with an interesting updated perspective on risk markets. I would encourage all of you to pull it up. In it, he highlights, among many things, the impact of the presidential cycle. 
His research shows that administrations looking to get reelected would do well to keep labor markets strong heading into the election. Makes sense. To make that happen six months leading into the election, you have to stimulate the economy 12 to 18 months in advance of that six-month run-up. That means from the fourth quarter of 2022 through April of the following year, in this case 2023, stock market returns in those seven months historically are equal to returns in the other 41 months of a four-year cycle. This has been the case since 1932. Fascinating. What it means for credit investors is that we are in that favorable part of the cycle where risk-taking is rewarded as we speak. Sure enough, since October 1st, 2022, investment-grade credit spreads are 40 basis points tighter and high-yield spreads 114 basis points tighter. Now, to be clear, we're expecting economic headwinds to mount over the course of the year, consistent with past history where contractions usually occur after central banks reach terminal rate. But as it stands today, the tendency of risk assets to perform ahead of re-election campaigns stands. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, the Fed. Despite all the noise, it's acting as expected. Two, China. Its reopening still looks like a plus for credit broadly. And three, market tone. It's better for now. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest research and ratings reports. See you next week. Hello, listeners. Join me, Van Hesser, KBRA's chief strategist for in-depth conversations with credit experts in my new monthly podcast, Leading Voices in Credit, where I'll interview market professionals on the latest trends in credit markets. That's Leading Voices in Credit with Van Hesser. Subscribe now.